0: Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. What follows is the service from July 3rd, 2022. Thank you and God bless.
1: Scripture reading is from Luke 10, verses 1 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God is near you. When you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, It will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for this town. Woe to you Chorazin! Woe to you Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sodom at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies no you will go down to the depths he who listens to you listens to me he who rejects you rejects me but he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me the 72 returned with joy and said lord even the demons submit to us in your name he replied i saw satan fall like lightning from the heavens I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We you bow with me? God of all nations and peoples, your Son commanded his disciples to preach and heal throughout the world. Grant us the power of the Holy Spirit and the zeal and courage to proclaim the good news of peace and gather all humanity into life with you. Amen.
2: 248.
3: About the word, two,
4: four, eight.
2: How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is his for your faith in his head. HUNGRY AND PAINTED
4: only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Then my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Let's pray. Merciful Father, we we give you thanks uh, for a new day of life. Uh, We're thankful um, for our health that allows us to to be together this morning, uh, to gather in your name uh, with with loved ones uh, who are walking the same journey that we're walking. Father, we give you thanks for this community, and we pray that you would bless us, that you would fill us with your spirit, uh, that you would protect us, and that you would help us as we try to love each other the way that you've loved us. Father, we're mindful of those who are hurting and those who are sick and those who are in prison and those who are without homes. We pray your special care upon them. In a special way, we remember Marion and Shelley, Brett, Pam Reed and Debbie Grubb, Prentice's grandfather, Jane Spivey, Julia, Christy Wagner and Chuck Hickman. Father, we pray for their healing. We pray for strength for them and encouragement uh, as they go through uh, the struggles that they are facing right now. Father, we thank you for the mercy you've shown us and the forgiveness that you've shown us through Jesus. We give you thanks for that, and we ask that you be with us as we remember that, and we just offer our praise to you this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Uh, supplement
2: number two.
5: We went out, felt the grass, and the rain had not hit us. And I told Beth, I said, I'm just going to go out with a sprinkler. And as soon as I said that, the rain started coming, uh, and it was, it was really great. Uh, Larry, thank you for the time you put in to preparing the songs around the themes. Uh, I know that takes time. I appreciate you doing that. We've had so many amazing things happening at our church recently. One thing we want to celebrate is uh, Naomi Spaggy was baptized this past Sunday. We rejoice with Naomi in this. What we always give those that have been baptized is we give them a journal that several folks from our church put together some years ago on your first 40 days as a baptized disciple of Jesus, but also two copies of a book on the Sermon on the Mount. And Naomi, we would invite you to pick a mentor at our church who could read through at least some of that with you and kind of meet together, someone you can confide in. We've been doing this for a number of years and just some really beautiful relationships have to come together uh, through this. So Naomi, we're very uh, excited for you. We had a beautiful mission week this last week, all kinds of different activities and ways that we're learning about our city and learning what God is doing. Thank you for your participation in that, specifically all the, the food you brought for our food pantry, but also the supplies for Salome help. We had 10 or 12 uh, families from the neighborhood come by and bring food. It was just a beautiful response, along with the Friends Life Tree Truck Sunday night. Uh, so it was just a really blessed time together. If you look at the Bulletin uh, this morning, we'll be talking about this more with announcements. There's just a lot of ways to connect this summer. One of the things that we talked about coming out of the pandemic was people who just miss being together. Right, And so there's just a lot of ways to connect. Now, another thing coming out of the pandemic, people was like, man, I don't, I don't know that I ever want to go back to just the busyness of church constantly. Okay, So we're trying to uphold two things. We want you to have lots of opportunity to connect, lots of opportunity to, to participate in God's mission in the world. But, uh, but right, let, let's remember some of what we learned in the pandemic of it's nice not to be busy all the time. Uh, so there's no pressure on the stuff we're doing. It's rather opportunity. We're going to be in the book of Esther this morning, and I'd like to, uh, to kind of set it up this way. If you want to turn in your Bibles, it's going to be on page 396, 396. Let me set it up this way. Um, at least 10 to 12 years ago, specifically five to six years ago, I began to realize I was, I was missing something. Um trusted mentors, people i read, listened to, and followed, I realized they could see something often that I couldn't see about the world. It was as if I saw a two-dimensional world and they saw a three-dimensional world. And I was really trying to wrap my mind around, how come they can see stuff I can't see? And and I realized what was going on was, there are kind of two lenses that we can bring to the world in this respect. There is an individual lens, that we see things from an individual perspective, and then there's a a communal lens or a systemic perspective that we bring to the world. An individual lens, but then a communal or group perspective to the world. And both of those perspectives are important. Both of those perspectives have value. What I realized though is I was mainly looking at the world from an individualistic perspective and often I was missing the communal perspective. Uh, What might an easy example of that be? Um, When one person gets a job, why did they get that job? The individual perspective said, they had the best resume, they worked hard for it, they must have interviewed really well, and all those things may be true. And the communal perspective says, I I bet they knew somebody, I bet, just all kinds of different things in their life were working towards this moment. And in some way, maybe they fit just kind of the demographic of the interviewer, and it just kind of was a fit, you know, from just a social group cohesion type of thing, okay? No malice or anything, but just kind of social group cohesion. It, it just kind of worked. And that's the communal lens and the individualistic lens. And I think it's important to hold both of those together. I think about when I became the preacher at Ackland. Look at it from an individual lens. You know, I interviewed for the position. I felt like I had a decent resume and worked hard. But from a communal perspective, the only reason I heard about the opening was a friend of mine was friends with Paul Prill. And then there are certain things about my demographic and my upbringing, denomination, my sex, various things that made it a good fit, right, to become the minister here. And so there's a communal and an individualistic thing both going on at the same time. Now, here's the thing. A lot of things we see in this world, Americans are oftentimes the most individualistic mindset people on the planet. Okay? Normally, when they do these types of uh, social studies, you get, and these, these, are, these are stereotypes, but this is kind of how it tracks, Asian populations and Latin populations will be more communal. And then you come over more towards individualistic, and you have, like, Europe, Canada, Australia. And then you walk a long way, (laughs) and you eventually get to America, kind of on this end, in terms of individualistic. It's not all bad. A lot of good things have happened from it, right? But Americans can have a very individualistic perspective and sometimes miss the communal or systemic perspective. Another way of thinking about that, Christians that have roots in revivalism also have a very individualistic perspective and that is us friends because we believe that every person makes a decision to follow jesus and every person must give account someday for their life and i believe that is true okay but our tradition combined with our Many of us coming from American culture, we end up seeing the world from a very individualistic perspective. It's not bad. It's just we need to work hard at bringing the other perspective in so we can hold on to both, the systemic or the communal, and the individual. And so it was with that in mind that I began noticing how some people taught the Bible that way, from both a systemic lens and an individualistic lens. I began to see this. I began to read things. And then it was... One night last fall, I was listening to a, a podcast I often follow, and I was like, this is the best sermon teaching I've, I've ever heard on this. Okay, so I listened to several different preachers because I never get a sermon because I'm the one giving it. And I've realized that my life gets out of whack if nobody's preaching to me. Okay, and so I listened to several different preachers on podcasts, and one I really liked, I've been following for a number of years. Is a, is a black preacher out of the Washington, D.C. area, and his name is Thabiti Anabwili, and he preaches at Anacostia River Church, and he did nine weeks on the book of Esther, and it was one of the best sermon series I've ever heard in my life, okay? And so I wanted to do just four weeks on Esther, uh, and what I want you to know, a lot of this takes inspiration from his series, and I would encourage you to listen to him, Thabiti Anabwili, I can spell that for you later, anacostia river church i will tell you he he preaches for like an hour i'm not going to do that okay he did nine sermons so it's like nine hours on the book of esther and it is wonderful he does a lot of cultural commentary but you got to be prepared he may not get into it until minute 45 of the sermon but if you wait for it you're like oh my goodness this is so interesting because just Based on once again on my tradition and my life experience, I'm not as accustomed to people doing systemic things with the Bible. It's just really cool when that starts to happen. And honestly, what we have to always acknowledge is the world of the Bible was a lot more communal than our world now. So it's, it's very true, I think, to the original uh, intentions. So this is the story of, of Esther. I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it and we'll get into today's part of it. story takes place about 500 years before Jesus. And about four or five hundred years after King David and Solomon. So kids, you got that? It's about halfway between King David and Solomon and King Jesus. Okay. And this is the time of the exile. About a hundred years prior, the Babylonians had come and destroyed Jerusalem. They took them off to Babylon. But then the Persians came and destroyed the Babylonians. Okay. And so now there's this great Persian empire and it's enormous. Um, we think it went as far east as India uh, and as far south as, as modern-day Ethiopia. It was an enormous empire, the Persian Empire. And the Jews are a minority people group uh, in the Persian Empire. And, and the, the main heroine of the story, Esther, she's Jewish. She, she, she's born in Persia and she dies in Persia. Like She never leaves, best we know. So these were people trying to figure out how can we be Jews but yet we've never seen Jerusalem. The temples been destroyed. They've rebuilt one kind of by this time period. But it's just, how can we be people of faith, but, but we're far from home? It's the experience of, of exile. So the story's going to start with King Xerxes, sometimes also called a Ahasuerus. And he is the great Persian emperor, the great Persian king. And he is going to command his queen... To come visit him and his buddies at a drunken party, and she refuses, and so they're going to expel her from being queen. That's going to be our story of the day. Then they're going to need another queen, and so he has this enormous contest, and the winner of that is, is Esther, also known as Hadassah, okay? And she's going to be the queen, but her cousin Mordecai has told her, don't tell anybody you're Jewish, Okay? Then we're going to discover there's an evil henchman named Haman that hatches a plan, mainly because he doesn't like Esther's cousin Mordecai, to exterminate the Jewish people. And so he gets a law passed that the Jewish people are going to be killed. That's what we're going to talk about next week. The third week, we're going to talk about Esther or Hadassah's decision to reveal who she is. She's a Jew. To King Xerxes and plead for the life of her people. That's the third week. Then the fourth week, we're going to talk about all the aftermath of that. Today's focus will be Queen Vashti, the first hero of the Esther story and unpacking what's going on with her. And so our reading together... I've departed from the lectionary. The other three readings that today come from the lectionary, but we're going to be going through Esther for four weeks. If you want to stand with me for the reading, this is from chapter 1 of Esther. It's also on page 396 of your Q Bible. And there's just one verse her resistance that I want you to read out loud with me because I want us to, that's going to be the focus, her decision to resist this morning. So join with me on verse 12 when we get there. On the seventh day when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, Mahuman, Bitha, Arbana, Bigtha, Abaktha, Zethar, and Carcass, to bring in Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at together. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger, thinking, since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, spoke with the wise men who understood the times who were closest to the king, Karshena, Shathar, Admatha, Tarshish, Meres, Marcena, and Namukin. The seven nobles of Persia and Medea who had special access to the king and were housed in the kingdom. According to the law, what must be done to Queen Vashti? He asked. She has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken to her. Then Mamucan replied in the presence of the king and nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong. Not only against the king, but also against the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of King Xerxes. For... The queen's conduct will become known to all the women. So they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Bastai to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persian and Medean women of the nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Medea, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone who is better than she. Then, when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands, from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice, and the king did as Mamukin proposed. He sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom to proclaim in his own script, and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his household using his native tongue. This is the word of God. You may be seated. The opening verses of Esther chapter 1 show us the great wealth and power of Xerxes. It goes on and on and on, talking about the power and wealth he has, just the length of the party. The party's six months. Talks about the linen and the gold and everything going on. And he's with all of his buddies and he's showing off. And uh, and that line there, kids, in high spirits from wine, they're drunk. They're intoxicated, they've had too much to drink and they're not acting uh, their their normal selves. And in the context of this, we see Vashti is the first hero of the story when she takes a stand and says, I'm not going to go along with what is happening. So what are the things that she's pushing back from uh, in, in this story? This is one of the clearest stories in the Bible we have about sexism. It's ancient sexism, but we continue to see sexism uh, in our world today. And sexism is when you look down on another person because of their sex, like, so like male or female, you look down on them, and you think they're inferior to you because of their sex. We're mostly talking about, historically, men looking down on women. Women can be sexist towards other women, and women can be sexist to men. I fully grant that those things can happen. But, for the most part, what we're talking about is men being demeaning towards women. And that's going to be the the focus of kind of our impetus together. I know that it it can happen in other ways, but that's the main lens by which we're looking at it. And we continue to see those things today in our world when men can look at women as inferior not as smart not as valuable not as talented or different levels of what we would say is objectification treating someone as an object notice why he sins for vashtar because she is beautiful to look at they're not having some conversation. He goes, "You know who knows a lot about this topic, Vashti. You know who's really in the know on this. Let's go get Vashti because she's good at science or art or music or whatever it is. You guys would love to chat with her. We don't want her to open her mouth. We just want to look at her and look how pretty she is, because Xerxes is looking at her as as a trophy." Similar to how you might say, I'm gonna show off my new car, my new house, my new walk, like it's just an object. And sexism can show up in in various ways, and i want to illustrate this in a couple of stories that um, I think are are a little embarrassing because they involve my life, but but I think it's important to kinda say these things out loud. So these are kinda one story from high school and one story from college, just conversations I was a part of and didn't realize at the time how sexist they were. So I remember hanging out with my buddies, we were probably 16 or 17. Kids, I'm a bad example in this story, I wanna make that clear, okay? So we're 16 or 17 and we were hanging out one night and one of my buddies showed up at the house we were hanging out and he had just come back from a date, okay, he had taken a a, a girl out to dinner and a movie or something like that. And we're like, how did it go with so-and-so, right? And we're kinda checking in, like, hey, you know, is it going well, that type of thing? And then one of my buddies was like, did you get a kiss, man? Did you get a kiss? And he's like, no, she didn't kiss me. And one of us said, you bought her dinner and she didn't give you a kiss? And we all laughed. But notice what's going on there. Notice what's going on there. It's treating a woman like an object. As if, if I buy something for her, she therefore owes me a kiss. It went right over my head at 16 or 17, me and my buddies just laughed and kind of moved on because we were immature and that was sexist of me. That was sexist of me. That something little like that kind of infiltrates and it just gets worse over time if we're not like on guard for that. I'll tell you another story. It's probably a sophomore or junior in college and there was a social function coming up where everybody was getting a date for this social function. And a buddy of mine was like, JP, who are you going to ask? This is before I met Beth. I should make that very clear <laughs> in these stories. But um, he said, uh, who, who are you going to ask to this function? And I was like, man, I haven't decided yet. I, I don't know who I'm going to ask. I need to ask somebody that's getting close. And he goes, here's what you got to figure out. Do you want to have fun or do you want a photo? The decision is fun or photo. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And he goes, you could ask somebody that's a lot of fun to hang out with. And then you kind of laugh and talk throughout the night. It's fun. Or just have someone else that's good looking. You don't enjoy spending time with them. But you get your picture taken at the event. And you can show all your friends. I was able to go to a function with somebody that was really, really pretty. And you at least have that photo to kind of put. This was before social media. But like just to kind of hold up later. You know, fun or a photo. And once again, that may seem like a big deal. But notice the sexism in that. That... Asking that woman to that event was was a trophy of some sort. As if the woman was just an object, okay? And it's things like that that have left unchecked just kind of grow and grow and grow to where slowly it gets worse and men are objectifying women. Treating women like objects and only think about women's appearance or only think about what do I get out of this situation, And there's no greater form of objectification, I believe, in our culture than pornography, okay? Pornography is literally making someone an object. Not having a relationship with them, not talking to them, not showing them respect, but literally making someone an object, okay? The social science research has shown us that... For those that continue to look at pornography, they're statistically more likely to sexually harass, to treat women disrespectful, and even to abuse or to be prone towards sexual violence. If you have looked at pornography once, I'm not saying that is your destiny, but I'm just saying that is how evil grows, okay? We know this now from the research and it can make one more likely because objectification grows and it becomes that type of thing. We need to talk about those things. So we need to speak out. If you struggle with pornography, come talk to me and one of the elders or anybody at this church. Like, we won't shun you. We'll work with you on that. It's just poison, though. It's not good for you. Kids and teens, I also want you to notice another thing about the context of the story that alcohol is involved in this. That Xerxes and his buddies have gotten drunk and that's when they call Queen Vashti in when they're drunk. And we know once again from the research that sexual harassment, sexual abuse and sexual violence is more likely to occur in a situation of drunkenness. So those of you that are in college and going off to college those of you that have grown up in middle school and high school I would encourage you if you're in a situation where people are getting drunk get out of there. If you're in a situation where people are getting drunk, get out of there. And don't go to a party with your friend, and then people start to get drunk. Don't leave your friend there. Okay? If your friend is in a situation where they're like, I think they're in a dangerous situation, but they don't think they are in a dangerous situation. And they start to go off with somebody, or people are starting to pair off, and there's alcohol or something like that. Be vigilant. Be watching. We just have too many stories of sexual violence coming out of those things where you have a party people start to get drunk it's nighttime, people starting to pair up go different places people don't really know what's going on i'm asking you not just to look out for yourself but to look out for your friends and people you're with and if you're ever in a situation where you're like i don't think that person even knows their name right now and that person is putting them in a car and driving them off or they're going for a walk just walking and say hey like let's not do this and find some type of way To intercede. This type of thing's been going on for thousands of years, right? We need to be vigilant about it. Notice too, and this is a a big word in our culture and it's important, but notice also the lack of consent involved in the story. Xerxes doesn't say, Vashti, if you would like, we would love to see you. He commands her, and he doesn't care what she wants. It's so important to frame things as a question. To invite, to ask people, and never to coerce people or put pressure on people. Okay, this type of thing. When Xerxes doesn't care about the consent, and that's the toxic brew of sexism, objectification, drunkenness, and not even caring what the other person wants. And so, in the midst of all that, Vashti refuses. A lot of people have written about what is exactly the nature of her refusal. I've also, to say this book, I've been reading this um, InterVarsity Press Women's Bible Commentary. It's a big, thick volume of female scholars commenting on the text. And they were going back and forth on why do they think Vashti refused. Some think this was based on a culturally known thing that everybody would have been aware of, and Xerxes himself would have been aware of it if he hadn't been drunk, that you don't present a woman alone to strangers. That this is just indecent. Shouldn't be doing it. Some people think Vashti is responding to just, this is sexist, I'm not going to do this. But some people, and there's reason to believe this as well, she knows that if she's going to go in that room, she's going to get abused. She's going to be harmed. It's not just that they're going to look at her and then she's going to leave. But she believes harm is going to take place, and so she makes this decision to protect her physical safety. But it's in this moment that Vashti takes a stand and she says, I'm going to resist this. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to do it no matter what happens. Notice their reaction to what happens. And this is where, in listening to Sabidi and Aboula's sermons, it's been so helpful to me to start to see how the individualistic and the systemic play in together. Because right, what's going on right now is Xerxes is individually sexist. Then he and his buddies are kind of communally sexist, but when she resists them, their response is to pass a law. Okay? Their response is to put systemic sexism embedded in the legal code of the Persian Empire. Notice the, the last line of the verse we read together. In every language of the empire... They leave no stone unturned. Because the buddies look at them and say, if your wife can defy you, my wife can defy me, we have to make an example out of her. We never hear of Vashti again. She's no longer queen. We don't have all the details of what happens to her. But she says, this is the hill I'm going to die on. She makes the decision, no matter what happens, I'm not going to do this. But their response is so intense, it is so vast, and they legally enshrine the sexism. And notice what happens when there's a systemic thing in place. All the men in the empire can look at their wives and basically say, I'm not sexist, it's just the law. You notice how that works? Don't look at me. I'm not the bigot here. But... It's, it's the law. We just we just need to go along with it. Like, let's not be a rebel rouser. Like, let's, you know, let's just go along because it's the law. And that's how systemic injustice takes place. It often starts with an individual thing, specifically people in power, and then it becomes enshrined, it becomes codified, and it becomes entrenched in the system. Now, what's interesting here in the next five or ten minutes as I wrap up is I want to contrast Vashti's response with Esther's response. Because we're going to do a lot more of the story of Esther the next three weeks. But Esther and Vashti have two slightly different strategies on how they handle this situation. Okay? Vashti says, I'm not going to do it. This is the hill I'm going to die on. And then, of course, they're looking for a new queen. And King Xerxes wants to see all the beautiful women of the empire, Sample all the beautiful women of the empire and then make his decision on who the queen is going to be. And Mordecai, her cousin, who has raised her, she's an orphan, we're going to talk more of the story next week, He's, he encourages her to go along with it, but to not reveal her Jewish identity. Okay. So notice the different response. Vashti says, I'm not going to go along with this type of thing. And Esther says, I am going to go along with this type of thing for now, but I'm going to be strategic, okay? And ultimately what we're going to see in the story is it's going to reach a point where Esther says, now this is the hill I'm going to die on, and this is the point I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go along with it anymore, okay? And so the vast response is to say, today is the day I'm not going to do it. Today is the day for resistance. The Esther response is to say, Today's not the day. But that day is coming. That day is coming. And those are two different responses. In church, you're going to have some Vashti days and you're going to have some Esther days. You're going to have some days where you say, Today is the day where I'm going to look them the and say, I'm not going to do this. But you're also going to have yesterdays where you're like, I don't feel good about this. I don't love this. Today's not the day. But the the day is coming. Right? The day is coming. Adults, I want you to think about the jobs that you're in. And we think about the world from a systemic perspective. When we talk about the world being fallen, every system we're a part of has some fallenness. Right? No matter what system you're a part of. If you chose to quit your job... Every time you encountered evil, you would quit your job every day, right? So you have a lot of Esther days. I don't love this. I'm going to go along with it. But I pray there's some Vashti in you, right? That there would be something that if that happened, you would say, I'm quitting if this continues. If this continues, I'm going to the news. I'm going to social media. I'm not going to go along with this. And you have to strategically think in your mind, when are you going to be Esther and bide your time and then have your grand moment? And when you say, no, now is the time. I think a friend of mine, he was a warehouse manager. Most of his career was in warehouse management. And they were always shipping all kinds of products through the warehouse. And some of the products he didn't feel great about, and some were kind of morally neutral, even morally good. And he was always wrestling with, I spent a whole day working with employees as we loaded a truck on this, and I don't think that's good for people, and I don't know about, but he just kind of went along with it until, and this was probably 15 years ago, his warehouse, one of the main things they would ship was pornographic DVDs. And he just went to his boss and said, if we keep doing this, I'm just not going to be able to work here. This was his dime moment. Like, I'm just not going to spend the bulk of my life distributing pornography. And those of you that are computer phones, I'm, some computer hosts, one of you told me working for a company where you found out the job was, the website was unseemly. And you're like, we're, just, we're going to turn down that business. Like, we don't want to be involved in that. And so my, my buddy in this story quit his job and went and had to look for another job because it was a vast time moment. I'm just not going to do it. Some of you may be in a time now where you're really stressed out with things that are going on with your job or your family or other things you're involved in or whatever it is, but you're like, this is really hard, but I feel the Lord has calling me to just keep doing it. It's my season to be Esther, but yet someday... Someday my moment moment's going to come, and we're going to get more into this story uh, as we go. I want to close with, with two different prayers for our time today. And first, I want, just with the heaviness of this story and the rampant sexism of this story, I want to have a prayer uh, for those that have been hurt by this type of issue. And then we're going to have a prayer for those of us to be stronger. Esther, the story of Esther is really famous for being the one book of the Bible that doesn't mention the name of God. And yet we can providentially see God's presence in it. We'll talk about that more later. But just this morning, before we have these two prayers, can we just for a second contrast King Xerxes and King Jesus? Can we talk about Jesus as the king who when a woman had been abusively entrapped in an adultery scenario unfairly, did not allow them to execute her and looked at her with compassion and said, go now, leave your life of sin. He is without sin, cast the first stone. Who was willing to share a cup of water with a Samaritan woman, when well, no one would do it. Who was celibate his entire life but yet hung out with prostitutes all the time, why do you think the prostitutes always wanted to come hang out with Jesus? He wasn't a paying customer, right? Why did the prostitutes always want to hang out with Jesus? Because he was the only man that was safe. He was the only man that respected them and didn't treat them as objects. And we proclaim King Jesus, who submitted to his own mother and was willing even to place himself under the authority and the leadership of women in certain situations at the, the miracle of Cana, right? So if you've been hurt from these type of things, let's just, let's just pray together for any type of healing the spirit might grant us. Let us pray. God, our heart breaks um, for the sexism we see in scripture and the sexism we see throughout history and the way that sexism still rears its ugly head in our world today. And Lord, I know that there are so many that have been hurt by sexism. Harassment, jokes, innuendos, being made to feel an object or less than, and Father, even abuse. I don't have all the answers for that, but Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and that you would grant us healing, that you would grant us mercy, and, Father, that you would grant us justice, even if that is difficult. Father, we pledge to walk alongside with each other in the path of healing and in the, in the path of justice. And to be a welcoming and healing community. Lord, I pray for every woman in this room. That you would protect them and guard them. And that they would never feel less than it's through the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And I also want to have a prayer for the men in this room. And once again, I acknowledge that sexism isn't always men versus women, but that's the most common form, right? And uh, men that are my age or older, we've all laughed at jokes we shouldn't have laughed at when we were young and stupid. And maybe even now we're slower to react than, than we should be. And I know a lot of us are looking at the younger boys, and we want better for them than, uh, than what we had. You know, I was showing our girls a movie from the 80s the other night, and I had to pause it and say, okay, they're being sexist right here. Like, and when I watched it in the 80s, it went right over my head, right? That type of thing. And so um, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but I just want to have a prayer for us men. And, and boys and men of the church, would you stand with me as we pray together? Is that too much? If you boys and men, if you would stand with me for this prayer. And then after this larry uh, will lead us in song let's all let's all stand together lord god i pray for the men and boys of this church and we confess that we're all sinners uh, and we confess that most likely all of us have said something sexist or done something like laughed at a joke we shouldn't have just Lord, a lot of us, the older we get, we start to see things previous in our life where we're like, man, I treated that person as inferior and I, I should not have done that. Uh, and Lord, our heart our heart grieves. Help us to make amends in ways that are honorable and appropriate. And Lord, help us to be vigilant. Not, not trying to like over protect women as if they can't protect themselves or something like that, but just being vigilant and being aware and being respectful and cultivating young men and boys that are That are also respectful lord i pray for the teenagers the young boys of this church that they would grow up as honorable respectful people full of self-control and that we would we would not give in to some of the more toxic ways of being men that we see in our culture lord we pray for mercy we pray for forgiveness we confess we have not been who we should be we pray that you would make us the type of man that we should be, the type of people that we should be. we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Women if you, everybody can stand now. Women if you want to join the men with standing. This is too much standing and sitting. We became Catholic for a quick second, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry that joke was not in my notes. Uh, Larry is now gonna lead us in song. Let's sing together. Sing them over
2: again to the wonderful word of love. Let me more of their beauty, see wonderful words of life, words of life and beauty. Teach me faith and beauty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Christ the Blessed One gives to all wonderful words of life. Sinnerless to the loving call, wonderful words of life. Also freely given, wooing us to heaven. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all, wonderful words of life. Jesus, only Savior, sanctified forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Point out the bread in this song is not the bread we're about to take. It's words, uh, but there's, you know, they're interrelated. the bread of life, dear Lord. And I'll break, break the
3: together John Calvin speaks of the Lord's Supper as a banquet in which we feed on Christ he says our souls are fed by the flesh and blood of Christ in the same way that bread and wine keep and sustain physical life the French confession of faith of 1559 says the body and the blood of Jesus Christ give food and drink to the soul no less than bread and wine nourish the body when Jesus instituted this communion service he meant it as being something that we do it's not passive as Christians were expected to be active and James wrote a letter talking about the works that we need to be doing as Christians and that is part of the activity of communion and every meal not just communion reminds us that everything we have comes from God we are not self-sustaining everything that is given to us is a blessing directly from God and this communion recognizes as sinners we have to have Christ to be nourished and to have salvation shall we pray father in heaven thank you so much for your son and the sacrifice that he made and be with us as we come together in communion and remember him bless this bread to Jesus we pray amen Shall we pray? Father, bless this cup and just be with us as we metaphorically drink the blood of Christ. To Jesus we pray. Amen.
2: Two hundred (laughs) fifty three. Two five three. How shall the young singer let heart and guard their life from sin?
6: Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither, cruc- neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. To the, the God of Israel, let's pray. i thank you thankful for this morning, for the time we've had together to worship, to uh, read and think about your scripture. Um, the time we'll have soon to encourage each other. We pray that your spirit will be with us uh, this morning, and as we go from here, that um, we can uh, make wise decisions um, individually as a community when we can influence the systems around us so that uh, you can be glorified and your kingdom can be furthered. through your son's name we pray.
0: Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. A special welcome to some of our visitors. I know it's good to see uh, Laura's brothers here this morning. Um, I uh, wanted to congratulate uh, Daniel and Leanne for another anniversary uh, coming up on the 5th. Happy birthday to Matt Wilson and my wife, Sarah Perkins. Uh, we're excited about that. Um, there's a couple of cool events coming up uh, so tonight we are going to be going to uh, Nashville um, SC game uh, that'll be a lot of fun we'll be here around 530 um, there's hamburgers um, and and then we'll walk over to the, uh, the stadium that should be a lot of fun um, JP is there still there's still one ticket floating around right one ticket. there's one ticket so if somebody who hasn't expressed an interest would like to go, let, let us know. Um, then uh, tomorrow there's gonna be a cookout at, at Conway's. Um, that should be a whole, whole bunch of fun. Um, you should note that uh, if you've got kids of, of camp age, um, that the, the online forums are up and, and uh, you should definitely uh, get, get to that. Um, it is a, is a ton, ton, ton of fun. Uh, my kids look forward to it every year. They talk about it for months <laughs> ahead of time and, 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 and often afterwards. Um, and, and to that effect, there is a canteen that they have where the kids can get a treat every day, um, and we're, so we're going to be taking donations for that. There's a list of that here in the bulletin, um, so, so so check that out. I would encourage you all to think about the um, the Better Together series at Rural Hill, Rural Hill Church of Christ on July 10. Um, that should be a, a neat experience. Um, at, you know, take a look. I think it's Sunday night, maybe. Um, I'm looking at this correctly um, yeah Sunday at 5 p.m um, that should be a great experience um, Rural Hill is great I know that um, just from experiences a lot of our Lawrence Avenue friends have family connections at rural Hill like that it's a um, it's a great great church um, and also be looking out for um, the sounds game at the end of the 31st pile days on the 17th. Um, so there's a lot of fun ways, as JP said, to connect if you want to. <laughs> um, uh, that's, that's kind of it. Does anybody else have anything to add? Anything else going on? I know for a fact that there is coffee and there is donuts, so praise God. <laughs> You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.